Welcome to another episode of No Challenges Remaining, live from the Wimbledon, England. I'm Ben Rothenberg, joined by Courtney Nguyen. How are you enjoying your Wimbledon so far, Courtney? Ugh, let's just get this over with so I can go home. That sounds good. Let's do it. The draws happened a few days ago, and the press conferences started today. Biggest first impression out of the first couple of days before we get granular with things? I don't know. I mean... It just feels the same. Everything just feels really the same right now. It feels like total like Groundhog Day, another major. A lot of this is coming from me just because it's been. I'm really exhausted and I'm ready to go home and I'm just like pissed off all the time. So that doesn't help. It doesn't help when the district line shuts down the weekend before Wimbledon yeah. and it takes you three hours to get to site That's in insane. something that should take thirty minutes. So none of that is great. But I. In a lot of ways, I guess I feel like Serena. I am over it. Let's just start these matches and let's play this tournament out and see what happens. I'm done talking about it. Let's start with Serena. Serena was very much <coughs> over it today uh, in press. This was a, one of those press conferences where as soon as it ends, people turn to each other and are like, what the hell was that? Because she was saying nothing. Nothing even close to anything. And was in no mood. And she followed Sharapova into the press room and though there wasn't the excitement of their last year press exchanges uh, in the pre-tournament pressers, there was still such a striking contrast between how they came into the room and how they ent- are entering this tournament. You could really tell which one just won the French Open <laughs> and which one lost in the second round. Uh, yeah, thoughts on, on either of them both. We both were struck by them separately, and then looking back on them together, it's a huge difference. Yeah, I mean, winning is a different attitude, you know, uh, for a lot of people. And I think Sharapova kind of had a bit of swagger in her press conference. Kind of, unfortunately, was, I think, unfortunately, just because I think it's just a really stupid story to keep being asked about. But all this stuff about how do you feel about being criticized because you own a candy shop? And, like, you know, like, aren't you thinking of all the obese... You're killing children. And not to mention the fact the question was poorly worded. I didn't even understand what the question was. And neither did Maria. But Maria was like, um, what do I have to say to my critics? I won the French Open two weeks ago. That's what I have to say. Yeah, I, I think a candy she thought shop. the like, question what do you was th- about like being a distraction or something. It was yeah, a really, it was, it was very it was a weirdly unworn question. But you know, but she's she's in a good mood. I think that in a lot of ways, once you um, win a slam at any given season, like. It almost feels like the next one you go into, you're playing with house money a little bit. You've kind of validated your season. Sharapova definitely has. I mean, I don't think that, you know, two months ago, anybody would have really bet on her being number one in the race. I mean, that's a bit ridiculous. So, you know, I mean, she she definitely kind of had that... Um, feel about her as she fielded questions and Serena just really looked like somebody who was just ready to get this tournament started win or lose and just play and and I you know I spend most of the day kind of thinking about whether or not I thought that was a good thing or a bad thing you know maybe you know is this Serena's game phase or is she tired and I really couldn't figure it out we'll see how she channels it because whatever it is she's clearly feeling a lot of stuff right now and she's very intense in her own way Mm -hmm. but it's a negative sort of intensity the way it's coming off And we'll see if she can channel that into positive on court or if it just brings her down completely. Either way, this is the weirdest start to it I've ever had Serena. I've seen her have. Um, I've seen her be mopey after losses. This was like a post-loss press conference from Serena. And the tournament hasn't even started yet. Yeah, and I just think that I'm trying to think back uh, on the fly as we're talking. But Uh I don't really 
remember a time where, like, an emo Serena played good tennis. Like, yes, like, I'm not talking about, like, sad or emotional or angry, but, like, you know, her admitting today that she isn't over her French Open open loss um, and that, you know, it still kind of weighs on her. I think that that was, you know, obviously the most telling moment of the press conference and probably the most honest and genuine moment. Yeah. And it, it was also the most worrying moment because I'm, in a lot of ways, kind of used to Serena at times kind of having this, you know, which is something that all champions have, this delusional aspect of like, oh, yeah, that loss was over. I'm done with it. Like with Federer, who was like, yeah, no, I thought about the Stokowski loss for about an hour after I lost, and then I moved on with my life, or for a week, and then I moved on with my life. And I'm like, really? Okay. So I'm not, I don't, I just don't really know mentally where Serena is right now, and that makes her a very difficult player to kind of handicap going into it because I think everyone, for the most part, is still picking her to win. Yeah, like I think you, so. She's you, definitely the favorite. Yeah, she's still the favorite. But there are so many asterisks that are, you know, attached to those, that pick. Um, so it's tough. It's, it, it, was, it was surprising. I really did not expect to see that Serena today in press. And for what it's worth, I heard from people later that she was in a much better mood when doing various TV interviews and stuff. Um, so maybe, it, and she does have a, fl- a switch she can flip. It's just weird for her not to flip it for her big pre-tournament press conference. Well, goes, it's easier, to, also, flip. It's easier also, to flip for TV. But she's also, their TV camera. Yeah, but she might not room. know that. I was thinking about that today. If, like, they realize that, like, that the press conference, which is supposed to be for written press, is actually filmed and broadcast, like, on ESPN. And ESPN uses Or, that. you know, and it's used later on. Because, I mean, I've definitely seen Serena as recently as Rome flip from one to the other of, like, in, in the opposite way, where she was, like, really actually not great with with tv and then flipped and was great with written press so it just kind of happens but um yeah it was surprising it was surprising i mean you could trying to make sense of serena is uh it's tough to be a full-time occupation of ours Um, but let's move on to more of her tennis sense seeing her and sharapova both in the same quarter of this women's draw um, which was sharapova was the first person obviously because it's the top quarter picked into a quarter and so right away you knew they were playing each other and that happened also in Paris, is, do you expect them to play each other? No. Okay, why not? Who, who stops the meeting? I am not convinced, like, in terms of who's, you want me to predict that quarter? I guess so. Let's just talk about that quarter of the draw, because it's a very interesting quarter. There's a bunch <laughs> of big names in there. Jeannie Bouchard is notably in there, who's just made two uh, semis of the first two majors of the year. She would play Serena in the fourth round. Kerber is not an easy fourth-round opponent for Sharapova, theoretically, Flipkins made semis last year. Pavlyuchenkova had beaten uh, Sharapova in Paris this year. She's an unpredictable player. She get, could get Pova in the third round. Someone like Allison Risk is in there. Pekovic is not great on grass, but she's in there too. Uh, Tchaikovska. I mean, there's a bunch of interesting sort of names in there in this section. Yeah, I mean, they're interesting names. I just think that, honestly, first week of grass, like, uh, when I look at this draw... Any one of these players could lose to any one of these players, yeah, and it doesn't right. really matter what form. I mean, I it was it took me a really long time to write up all of my Wimbledon previews because that's what it really kept coming back down to for me, which is that like, do I think that um, Maria Sharapova could potentially lose to a Sharon Fitchman? Yeah, I really could. I really do <laughs> on grass. I, I'm not saying that it's because Sharon Fitchman's an amazing player and Sharapova's going to choke. I just think that. After the things that we've seen, we definitely saw last year and um, that we've seen in the past, especially with Sharapova, I mean, I'm not really high on her, um, you know, getting past the fourth round here. Um, so 
that's just kind of my take there. And then with Serena, I mean, she has a really incredible, I mean, she's got the toughest draw, in my opinion, if everything were to hold up, the more the tougher than anybody else. She could play Mikhail second round, she could play Cornet, then she could play Bouchard, then she could play a Sharapova or a Kerber, all of that's tough, and then play a Halep, if that holds up down below, or an Ivanovich, and then, uh, no, and then <laughs> and then uh, uh, lean on it's in the in the final. I mean, th- that's not an easy road. I mean, I would really love to see her pull that off because I think that it would be precisely the type of challenge that 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 she could step up to if she were mentally in it, and it would shut everybody up. Everybody who's 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 thinking or saying or that she thinks is saying that oh you know she's had a shitty year and maybe things are over and maybe she's never gonna you know reach these little you know record book milestones and things like that I mean if she were to win Wimbledon with with the toughest draw that'd be darn impressive so we'll see how that all plays out one name I just forgot to mention there is Samir Pashik who's obviously done well here before plays Flipkin's first round next up in the draw is the only other woman I guess well Watson, Heather Watson did pre-press too, but the only woman we went to today was Simona Halep, who is in that second quarter of the draw, um, which is not a loaded, or her eighth is not loaded anyway. Uh, there's some tough people she could play in the quarters. Ivanovic, uh, Lasicki, Samuel on grass, and Yankovic are all in there, but Halep's early road seems pretty safe. Uh, Courtney, what did you make of Simona Halep's? We were, I think, pretty much the only two people in there asking questions, more or less, for her. She seems like she's in a pretty happy place right now. Yeah, it's good to be Halep. I mean, I do, I do think that that Benchich is a is a danger in that section. I always think that Kirsten is a danger at any moment. I mean, if you're going to read off all the names in the top quarter, those are two names that that sure. stand out to me in terms of people who could upset Halep. But yeah, I mean, talk about somebody who's playing with house money. I mean, you know, she she as much as she has to defend, she's been incredibly good this year, and um, there's no reason that she can't necessarily do well uh, at Wimbledon. But again, we're operating, especially on grass with very little data uh, with respect to her. So she's never made it past the second round here. Um, she, then again, she never made it past the second round at the French, but we already knew that she was a good clay quarter and that that was her best surface. So, you know, it, it, everything's kind of up in the air with Halep. I do see either her or Ivanovic uh, coming out of that uh, that bottom half. Um, Madison Keys is down there, and who knows? I mean, I think a, a, th- a fourth-round yeah. run is definitely doable for Madison. She can recover from what was a fantastic week in Eastbourne. Yeah. So, yeah, no, it's interesting. That was my next point, which is going to be on Madison, and we talked a little bit about her and Coco, because Coco's coming up in the third quarter. Thoughts on Madison? You were in Eastbourne for a bit mm-hmm. um, this week. I was up here in Wimbledon the whole time, but thoughts on Madison breaking through and these two young Americans who've been highly touted, let's be clear, Madison much more than Coco, um, winning tournaments, and Madison's title was obviously a bigger one in uh, Eastbourne, beating some really good players who were not mailing it in for the most part. Um, and a couple not-so-tough players in Davis and Watson on the way to her first title. What does it mean for her to get that breakthrough, especially on this surface, especially hitting those sort of 126 aces in the emphatic way she seems to be finding her stride here? Well, the 126 thing is a myth. It wasn't a 126. No? No. So that's not true. But um, she did, I think she fired it like one, maybe 122, 123, because there's no IDS used in Eastbourne, and the 126 was an incorrect uh, reading on a serve. Anyways, so, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, it's great. I mean, it's be- more than anything for Madison, it's it's a big mental win for her because uh, against Kerber in the final, she had to go and grab it, and, and Kerber didn't wilt, and Kerber was right there with her 
and really was present in that match um, towards the end and, and really made Madison fight for it. And I've watched Madison Keys play a lot of matches in the last two, two, three years, and I've seen her choke away a lot of those matches. And almost like she wasn't ready yet to, to pull off those big wins. She went into Eastbourne having just one top 10 win to her name. Um, that was over Lina um, in Madrid a couple years ago. Um, and she got two top 10 wins this week, beating Yankovic and beating Kerber in the final. So all of that is, is very good. And it, it was a run that Madison needed, I think, in a lot of ways because she had been coming so close to getting a breakthrough and falling short. I mean, she almost knocked out Redvanska last year yep, at Wimbledon. Yep. That didn't happen. She played great against Arani at the French. That didn't happen, yeah. you know. I mean, and and she's had she's been on the cusp of these really really big great wins, and I really just trace it all back to that two week stretch from Charleston and Fed Cup, where she really battled and and I think learned a lot about herself in her ability to fight and to be mentally tough, and that really everything came together perfectly in Eastbourne, and uh, that kid's gonna win Wimbledon to one day, absolutely no doubt about it. There you go. You heard it here first. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also, I, I wasn't there, obviously, for the press for Madison, but I heard that also she was shining off court as well mm-hmm. to some degree. We've had her on the, the podcast before. If you listen to it, I think it was during... Uh, Charleston. Charleston. Scroll back and listen to that. But, yeah, off court as well. She seems to have a certain easiness and genuine teenageriness about her mm-hmm. that's pretty refreshing. Yeah, no, definitely true. So Madison is in the... Second quarter at the draw. The third quarter of the women's draw features Victoria Azarenka, who made her comeback uh, earlier this week in Eastbourne, lost first round to Camilla Georgie. A lot of question marks surrounding her, hearing she's playing well in practice and stuff now, but still very unmatched tested. Doesn't have the toughest early draw, although Vandewey Muguruza is a tough third-round opponent, whoever she gets there. Uh, Kova's in here, Redwanska. This is probably the quarter of the draw you want to be in, I would say. And then the fourth quarter has Kvitova, uh, Lina, Venus, Sloan, uh, Wozniacki, Soster, who's, I don't know what to make of Soster's grass season <laughs> at this point. I'm, I'm more confused than usual. I'm not selling it out completely, but I'm just confused. Bottom half thoughts? I think the top half definitely seems like the tougher half, for yeah, sure. No, for sure. Once again, we get a very uh, unbalanced draw. Um, with the when That's going to just kind of always happen, so long as Maria and Serena get drawn in the same half. Because power rankings are one, too. Yeah, exactly, and, and very you know much so. So, um, yeah, no, I think that this is a great draw for Victoria Azarenka. I watched her match against Georgie in Eastbourne, and I thought that I, w- I came away being impressed um, mm. because I, I was surprised by how well she did play. And the thing that I really liked about th- when I saw her draw here was that one thing that happened in the, in the match against Georgie, which was a near three-hour match, and it was a grueling, grueling match, was that she got progressively better from set to set, from game to game. And so you kind of get the sense that, like, you know, with a little bit more match play, if you get a little bit more time and, you know, to, to knock the, the technical rust off, um, you might be able to get. You might have a chance here because her focus was incredible in that Georgie match. You know, her, some of her shots were not coming off, and and you could see where there was, um, you know, a lack of match play. Mm-hmm. But uh, she was right there competitively. There was never a lapse. She was intense. And so, you know, a lot of players who come back from injury layoffs say that's actually the really toughest part is to stay focused and not have a lapse over the course of a three-hour match. Yeah. And she didn't, and, and I thought that was great. And so her draw is pretty soft in the early rounds. Yeah, it is. So she can get two good wins, you know, get some confidence and, and belief. And the thing about Victoria Azarenka is that, like, she finds a way, because not unlike a Sharapova, 
um, and even a Serena, but I, I would compare this a little bit more to Maria, where she has this comp- competitive ability to just will herself to win matches, to even when people. she's yeah, even when she's playing like shit. And so I I like that. Uh, I, I don't know. I like what I saw from her um, in Eastbourne. So um, so yeah, no. I think I think this is a, a great draw for her. I think um, you know yeah, Coco Muguruza could be tricky, although you know who knows what Vandaway has left in the tank and. Muguruza is still kind of un, untested on on grass. Uh, Sibolkova has been non-existent. Yeah, it's just um, been this bad. entire year. Arani on grass, no way. Uh, Makarova, yeah, maybe. Who knows? Um, but Makarova and Safarova are the two in that section that I think are are, are the most dangerous. Um, yeah. And I would say early on, if she ha- comes out being rusty for whatever reason, Jovanovski, if Azarenka plays terrible, Jovanovski, somebody who can take advantage of that and actually beat her. But that would be a step up. I would. I would say nay on that. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. And so I think, Aga, who do you think is more likely to make out of that section, Aga or Vika? Aga. Okay. Probably about right. I, I mean, how could you bet against somebody who, like, even though she, like, loses in the first round of Eastbourne all the time, goes on to make the final and then goes on to make the semifinal? It's pretty great. You know, I mean, it's it's like... Kind of her move. Yeah, it works for her and... You know, she didn't really do much anywhere else, and she got tons of rest after the French because she lost so early. So I think she'll be rested and raring to go here. And the last time they played, Aga actually won in Australia, mm-hmm. which is one of the best matches I've ever seen Aga play. And I think it was a really important match for her, even though she didn't really back it up after that um, in terms of just getting that monkey off her back of beating uh, Azarenka. And actually, I think it was such a big deal for her that she had to come back the next day in the semis, and yeah. it was a bit of an emotional letdown against Sibokova. Last quarter, Kvitova, who knows with Kvitova at any point. Venus is in there. I think Venus-Kvitova third round could be interesting. Sloan is being Sloan and generally unquantifiable, but it's still a major. Mosniaki had a decent Eastbourne, and Lina, who's really has, hasn't played on grass yet. We, don't, when, we haven't seen her play in over a month at this point. Mm-hmm. So uh, bottom quarter thoughts? Who, I mean, I think this is the most sort of unpredictable of all of them. Yeah, it's going to be a busted bracket um, in the bottom. Uh, I think that at least the draw has been kind to Lina to get, kind. get her some 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 easy grass court. Although Vanya King had did beat Bouchard uh, last week in Eastbourne or sorry Rosemallen, mm-hmm. so she could be a potential second round opponent for Lina. Um, but on the whole, I mean, well, actually, and then Zalova Stritseva, who made the final in Birmingham, playing very good tennis. Yeah, um, she's also there. So, but at least she might be able to get two good early round matches. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it's just impossible to call it. I, I don't see... It's a, it's also a nice draw for Venus in the first two rounds. Yeah, very um, nice first two rounds. So, yeah, that that's pretty good. But, yeah, I have no idea. But, I mean, that's kind of my reaction to kind of the entire draw for both the men and the women. I'm just kind of like, I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea what's going to happen. Kind of fun, pla- fun place to be at. Yeah, it's fine by me. One thing that we do know will happen at Wimbledon is that on Tuesday in the women's draw, center court will be opened up by Sabine Lasicki, uh, who's in the top half we mentioned briefly and fairly dismissively, I think, of her chances to do well at this tournament, even though she did make the final last year. Wimbledon, according to reporting that John Wertheim did before, had a few criteria they could choose from to see who would be playing first on the Tuesday, which is an honor for the women's defending champion, which, to be perfectly honest, I didn't even realize was a thing until people started talking about it this year. Really? I didn't. I always oh, thought it was I, just the men's. I didn't realize that the no, women yeah, did it, yeah, too. Yeah. Anyway, clearly it is. And so, uh, with Bartoli having retired, there was an opening, and according to John Wertheim, the three criteria were either the past year's finalist, the top seed, 
or uh, the previous year's champion, previous Bartoli, and two of those three, top seed and previous champion, are Serena. The third is last year's finalist. It goes to Lasicki. Lasicki gets there because of Wimbledon's insistence on uh, limiting female access to center court, uh, only two, and court one. Now one of Serena or Maria will be relegated to court two, presumably, on uh, Tuesday. So thoughts on, on this decision they made to put Lasicki there? Yeah, I mean, like you were saying, we were talking about this offline, that obviously they made the decision before the draw was made. So they didn't know that Maria and Serena were going to end up in, the, and Lissicky were all going to end up in the same half of the draw, yeah. all playing on the same day. But I do just think that if you're going to give, and obviously I don't know, because I've never, I haven't asked, I don't know if you have, but I haven't asked about this question and, and whether or not a player who has never actually won the title ever in their careers mm. has, a, has open play. That was the thing, because people were pointing to this, saying, oh, this is what, just what happens, because this is what happened with Federer in 09, because he made the Federer final won. in 08. And Federer was also Federer at that yeah. point. Federer was a five-time champion of this tournament, I think, in 05? Yeah. Or in 09, he had won it five times already. And so he seemed just like, they gave it to him because he's Federer, not because he happened to come in second place but the see, year before. But even, it's, it's not even about the he's Federer or she's Serena. That's not really my argument. Okay. Like, my basic one is that it just makes more logical sense to go with the defending quote-unquote champion, and if the defending champion is gone, then the one that won the year before would be the defending champion. So logically, that just makes sense to me. But then also, it's like the champion's start. The person who opens play should be a champion. Not a finalist, but a champion. At some point in their career, should have won this tournament. If they wanted to give it to a Maria, if they want to give it to Venus, if they wanted to pull Amelie Moresmo from Andy Murray's coaching <laughs> box and have her walk out there, I'd applaud that decision and bow down. Kvitova, hell, Kvitova, do whatever you want. Whatever. But, like, no. Could have been a weird choice, in fairness. It would have been weird. <laughs> but at least you'd be, like, it's champion start and, no, I agree you know, that. like, whatever. But she didn't win the title. She's never had her hands on the Venus Rose Water Dish. I just disagree with Sabine Lisicki walking, like marching it out. But whatever. I, it, I'm, it I'm with you. I'm with you on that. As people who follow on Twitter know, and gotten a lot of angry responses about that. But whatever. I also think that Sabine getting it by rights to the final. And let's remember, she played terrible in that <laughs> final. She was so bad. Do we really want to remember? Like when she walks out, I'm gonna be like, oh my gosh, you remember the really crappy final last year? I hope they don't give you flowers because those apparently freaked you out last time. <laughs> Novak Djokovic got bumped to top seed in the seeding formula over Nadal, which confused me while I was live tweeting the draw and got a lot of angry responses about that. Overall, thoughts on the men's draw before we get more granular? It seems pretty relatively even. More yeah, than the it's pretty it's pretty balanced. Um, I would love to see the men's draw hold to form and get you know a rematch of last year's final um, in the semis with Djokovic and Murray and a rematch of the 08 epic. Uh, between Federer and, and Nadal. I really, I just, I kind of really want to see Roger and Rafa play at least one more time on grass. Yeah. So that would be pretty cool. So it's kind of funny. Like, I, I do find myself a little bit in this tournament, on both the men's and women's side, kind of rooting against the kids. Okay. Like, whereas in the last two slams, or last few slams, I've been wanting the breakout performer. Like, I want a new name, I want whatever. For whatever reason, maybe it's just Wimbledon and tradition or whatever. I'm like, no, I want the good players like to win this bit, tournament. The apple cart's been a little bit upset, and at some point we're like, we gotta pick up all these apples, you guys. <laughs> you know, That's we true. we gotta be like, something has to hold the form and be there. And I agree with you about Raj and Rafa. They both have non-easy paths to the final on the bottom half. Uh, they haven't played on grass since 2008. That greatest match of all time by consensus for people when Rafa 
beat uh, Federer on his in the Wimbledon final on his third try. Um, and I think people on that front have sort of said, oh, Rafa, that's when Rafa really gained the upper hand in that rivalry and never looked back. But I think that in terms of the rivalry, Federer's best surface is grass, or indoors and grass are both pretty good for him. And he hasn't had more looks at him there, even though they both won Wimbledon. Uh, Rafa won it one more time, Federer won it two more times. They never went into each other again. So, yes, I'm with you on that. That would be cool to see them play here. But can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Why does Why do you think that Roger's draw is hard? I think Roger's really, draw is hard. I'm really, really, like, second, confused by this. Second round is the only thing I think is hard. I think second round is really hard. Okay. Either, yeah, Mueller, I think. Either Mueller was playing think. so well at Qualis when I was on there. He was, like, because he obviously was somebody who was top 50 solidly for a long time before that. And he was just, like, looked so above the fray in Qualis and was just blasting people off the court and being really sort of casually dominant. Okay, but you're talking about players. a second round match. Like, and then that informs the entire... I'm just asking because no, I've seen the, a bunch of people say, like, oh, Rogers, Rogers draws so hard. And I looked I, at it and I was like, I eh. only think it's the second round. I think the second round is very hard and he has to play the second round against Benito or Mueller. And then, other than that, and Benito, if he gets Benito, that won't be as hard. But Mueller is yeah, a real, no, Mueller, a real I, I agree with that. Other than that, it's not that I tough. I mean, Mahout maybe could give him some trouble on a really off day. Uh, fourth round should be easy against whoever that is, unless Janovic suddenly is reborn as a hero here. Uh, it could be Leighton Hewitt pretty easily in that section also, who I don't think would be able to pull off a win against Federer. <clears> and then, yeah, his quarter, I mean, Vavrinka's record on grass is no good. Uh, Isner's record on grass isn't really good either. Uh, Lopez is... Lopez does well could on grass, tricky, but, but he's not, not against Federer. I just don't Federer see. Yeah, yeah, I don't see Lopez beating a Federer. So I think Federer is definitely safer to with again. I just for, keep flagging that second round. But other than that, I think he's pretty okay, safe for the fine. semi. I agree with that. Um, and then Nadal, I think, has the trickier draw. Um, people, Martin Clezon, because the thing is with Nadal, it's been pretty clear pattern over the past, really his whole grass career. If you look at the score lines and stuff, he's a much weaker first week player at any grass tournament when the grass is new. And that includes the warm-up tournaments where he's done really badly over the course of his career in, in Halle or in uh, Queens. He only made, I think he won it once, but other than that, he lost early routinely. Um, so you have to look at the early landmines for him, and he could get Cleason, who's not a great grass quarter, but also won a title this year and can play pretty well and beat an injured, albeit Nishikori, pretty easily in Paris. And then he can get Lucas Russell or Benoit Paire in the second round, and those are both... Tricky opponents who would be very comfortable on grass. Pear's not going to do anything there. No, um, I think Russell will beat Pear, I think. Yes. Yeah. And yes. I mean, Pear's still, like, basically injured, so... Right. And then Karlovich in the third round would be a, a, a rhythmic match and is playing really well, actually, this year, quietly. He's moved up to being a seed, which is really pretty impressive for him at his age because he's in his mid-30s. Um, and then Gasquet just made the final of... Eastbourne, but that's fourth, and that's, I think by that point, the grass will have changed enough. So if Nadal makes it to the fourth round, I think he makes the semis, is basically how I think it goes. Uh, but other than that, yeah, that seems, you largely agree with that? No, no, I do. I do. I mean, I think that Rafa could either completely stroll through his first three matches, because all, no, none of those players is particularly reliable, but you, I mean, I, you recognize the threat that they pose, and you recognize his history in the early rounds, but um, yeah, I don't think that it's a great draw for Rafa, but I think that it's, I mean, I think it's tougher than Rodgers, um, but yeah, I, I agree with you. If he gets through the first three three rounds, he's a, he, I'd book him for the semis. I'd be very excited to see Nadal Russell again. Unlike, unlike Mahout, uh, Isner, that's a sequel I'd be up for because that match was so striking but, and memorable. Yes, no? I don't really, I really don't understand the, the, the love for the Rafa Russell rematch. No? 
why would we think that it would be good? Like, Rosal has done nothing other than, like, what? Like, a Casablanca title or Bucharest or something? Bucharest title. You're right about that. He's and done nothing. He's never even come close to playing that level of tennis that wowed everybody for that one night. So, like, this whole, like, oh, watch out for Rosal. I'm like, really? Like, he hasn't done anything. <laughs> why? <laughs> like, watch out for him because I might hit him with my car as he walks across the street with his backpack on. Come on. You were right when you tweeted Madison Keats you had a tall glass of haterade here. Today. I do. I'm, I'm not in a particularly good mood. I'll, I'll say this right now. I think that it's pretty obvious. Yeah. But I, a lot of it is because I keep doing these previews and I keep hearing things that people say and I just am not, I'm confused. It's like, oh. Oh, and they could play the always dangerous role. So not always dangerous. One time he was dangerous. <laughs> and he's never been dangerous ever since. I totally buy that. Uh, we'll see. So like, Just saying. <laughs> draw sheets are getting slammed across other draw sheets here, people. This is this is the angriest episode of NCR we ever had, which is a, quite the mild It's been a long us. time away from home. <laughs> it has been. She's very ready. Uh, do you want to say what you've had for lunch or dinner the past three days? I've had Indian food, which has been great. And I'm going to go eat Indian food again because that was my happy place, at least that. I mean, Oh, the other part I was talking about. What, my Whoppers? Yeah. I've been eating Whoppers. I've been e- going to Burger King and eating a Whopper with cheese, no tomato, every day. And in the moments where I'm eating my Whopper and eating my Indian food, I'm really, really happy. And every moment outside of that... I am very much less happy. So what, what we're learning here is we need to feed her pretty quickly. I'm starving. So we'll wrap this up relatively quickly. Top half of the men's straw. Uh, Andy Murray is open to term on the men's side. He won it. No controversy there. He has it starts against David Goffin. It is funny because I was talking to um, a British reporter. Uh-huh. Like he was obviously joking, but I, we were just kind of bantering back and forth. And he's like, "Oh, if I had known that like Andy Murray winning Wimbledon would mean that I had to work on Sunday because the champions press conferences <laughs> are on Sunday. Oh, he can't do anything right." <laughs> which amuses, which amused me. What speaking of that, just to sidebar a little bit, we are recording this on Saturday night. We have done the first regular, the non-Champions Media Days. Annie Murray's press conference will be what it will be on Sunday. But there's also a second Champions press conference starring Marion Bartoli. Why? 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 Like, okay, here's the thing, Marion Bartoli. And I'm going to take a sip of my haterade right now. Okay. But here we go. <laughs> I can't miss you if you're not gone. Like, you were everywhere. Everywhere. I don't know why you were at you were you were at Anfield watching Liverpool today or yesterday or whatever. Because she was playing at EXO in Liverpool, in which she retired against a fifteen-year-old yes. with injury. A fifteen-year-old. She was three games from the match being over and retired. Yes. What is she doing right now? I don't know, and that's the biggest question: is that no one really knows what's going on with Marion Bartoli right now, how she's living her life, why she's living her life the way that she's living it. Um, <laughs> It's just really, really confusing. And at least back in the day, you had the tennis as a through line that kind of made everything made sense, make sense. And now we've stripped that away. And I, how many stories have already been written over the last 12 months of Marion Bartoli still doesn't regret retiring, still happy in retirement? It's Saw like, a couple with the French. Yeah. Yes, it happens. Every, so what exactly are we talking about? Like, what is going to happen? I don't know what is relevant in this press conference. Like, the stories are all the same. It's just going to be like, do you regret it? What are your greatest memories of Wimbledon? And But once it happens, Marion Bartoli is kind of done. This is the thing. As, as anyone who loyal listeners remember, we did a very nice send-off show for Marion when she retired, the night she retired. Because we were heartbroken. Cincinnati. 
and we and we knew we were gonna miss her, but we haven't had the chance to miss her. She's kind of always here. And I'll be very curious to see what happens to her in uh, 15 days when she is no longer the defending Wimbledon champion. Yep. And doesn't have that sort of claim to some relevance, honestly, at that point. What she does, and if she kind of figures out that she can't just be a traveling tour companion. Because it's an odd life she's carved out the last 12 months. Because really, she's traveled like she was a full-time player. Yeah. And which I th- and everyone says the travel is the hardest part. But she's kept traveling. So, who knows? Top half of the men's Although Marion always <laughs> said that the, t- the hardest part was the training. Okay, <laughs> so it wasn't that she didn't love traveling and seeing the world. It's just that she didn't want to hit the gym anymore. That's like fair. Yeah, right? I mean, that was the whole Who thing. That her body... I know, no, I totally... I Bless her. I yeah. never go to the gym. But, <laughs> uh, uh, Andy Murray opens against Goffin. He gets potential tough third round against Roberto Batista Agut, who won her Togenbosch. Um... A couple dangerous-ish people in his section. Anderson, fourth round, is a pretty good player, but has never pulled off a win quite like that at a slam. Uh, Grigor Dimitrov is a possible quarter. Ferrer is not playing well, but is a possible quarter as well. Uh, side note, Ryan Harrison got another tough draw at a slam. Join Grigor Dimitrov, who just won the Queen's Club title in the first round. Uh, Murray safe with through the semi, you think? I think, I, think so. I mean, Batista Gu is 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 an interesting one. That was actually the the match that I flagged as being like row, row. but other that and then Dimitrov. But otherwise, yeah, I, I see him into the semi, and uh, so long as he can conserve his energy, um, I think he's got a great chance to get back into the final. I also think that that there are you know some question marks as to whether Novak Djokovic can make it. Right? Yeah. I mean that that's that's. Uh, you know, health bubbling. question marks. Yeah, yeah, health health question marks. Not necessarily game, but just but his wrist. Yeah, he's been people have been watching him and seeing him like flexing his wrist quite a bit, and he didn't exactly give a complete like uh, no, my wrist is perfectly fine. Answer today in press mm. as well. So, you know, that's something to to flag and watch. And you know, uh, he's got a good draw. I mean, I don't, really good draw. You know, I don't see a Stepanek taking three sets off of him, even though Roddick had that great uh, run to the final in Queens. But I think it's a big semis, opportunity but. for Sanga. I mean, Songa. We talked no, about. We Goldis. talked about. We talked about on the last. Well, Songa plays him before Goldis. What? Songa. We talked about on the last show being disappointing and having missed a window in his career. But I think this is his one sort of last. Not I want to say last chance. It's a little dire, but one really plausible chance if he gets a banged up, out of it Djokovic, a guy who's beaten before at slams. Uh, he he can get everything together, and this is a great surface for him. You're insane. Songa's going to lose to Sam Querrey. While while you're gurgling so much hater aid, I have a question. No, but how? What what would give you any indication that Songa's going to do beat, anything? Beat Sam Query? You think Query beats Songa? I, I you know what? If I were to actually, if I were a betting person, I would go draw. down. Yeah, I would actually pick that as a Query beats Songa. Okay. Yeah, I would. Do you think that? Do you think Djokovic is most likely to make the semi, or do you think Burdich or somebody who's a bad record against him or Golbus? Two, can Golbus pull off two slams in a row? Yeah, I know. Can he be consistent? Grass. I just don't like that. He could lose to Jurgen Sob. He could. That, that future Wimbledon champion, Jurgen Zopp. <laughs> by the way, by the way, that is the first ever all Baltic states meeting in a slam. Alrighty. Looked it up. Research. Uh, yeah, Verdasco's in there. He made semis last. He made quarters last year. That was weird. Uh, Burdich, past finalist. Tomic, who knows? Sakovsky could play. Sakovsky could be Golda's second round. That could happen. It could. These are all things that could happen. So let's wrap it up here just quickly your picks for the finals in both draw the finals yeah who you got Murray Federer Murray Federer who wins Federer I think 
I have the same thing. Huh. Yeah. Hey. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah, happened like 2012. And on the men's side, on the women's side, sorry, who you got? I have Serena versus somebody. Because somebody has to get out of that other half of the draw, which is just not all that great. But I don't know. I'm I really an, I really have no idea who's coming out of the bottom half. I'm gonna go, the bottom half is a complete... I have no idea either. I'm going to go double just for symmetry. I'm going to go double 2012. So it'll be Serena beating Radvanska and Federer beating That's Murray. That's fair. I could see just that. Just to rinse repeat. I could see that. We'll see. Uh, yeah. Should be fun. It'll be interesting to see these matches get started and see how people go. Because like we said, there's a definite air of who the fuck knows at this tournament. Yeah. I just really don't know what's going to happen, which is fun and it's exciting, but it also means that I want the tournament to start. Yeah. Like it's Saturday night and I'm already dreading Sunday because I'm just like, ugh, let's just play already. Yeah. So that's Sorry. where I'm at. That's a special day for Marion though. I'm going to be at my desk eating my Whopper. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for listening to our special women episode. Um, as always, you can follow along with us outside the show on Facebook, facebook.com slash NCR podcast. You can follow on Twitter at NCR underscore tennis, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes or whatever your podcast app uh, platform, whatever of choice is. We're all over. We're very easy to get to. And we also appreciate your emails. If you have questions, you can send them to no challenges remaining at gmail.com. I don't think you should plug that one, but I might as well do that too. Yes, you should. Thank you guys once again. We'll see you. Cheerio. We're going to go feed Courtney. She's really hungry. I'm so hungry. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.